Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. I will be reading Luke chapter 9, verses 21 through 26. Luke 9, 21 through 26. And Jesus strictly charged and commanded them to tell this, that He is the Christ, to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And He said to all, If anyone would come after Me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul or himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the angels. Lord Jesus, I beg of you that when you return in glory, none that are here will experience you being ashamed of them. And therefore I, as a desperate man, ask you to gift me, help me, carry me as the servant here today to unfold the precious, true words of this passage. To the glory of the cross, of salvation, and of your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Here's the call of every Christian. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, these words, remember, they come in the context of Peter's confession. You are the Christ. And, right there, in the context of Jesus' jarring clarification of what that means. (laughs) This means, Peter, in the twelve, that I'm going to Jerusalem in order to be killed on a cross and to rise on the third day. 
See, Jesus, in this context, what He's doing, He's saying to His disciples, yes, I'm the Christ, but I'm not the kind of Christ that you may think that I am. I am not the Christ who is here right now to bring to you wealth and power and glory. Not yet. I'll come in glory. We're going to see this. I will come in glory one day. But first, I'm going to the cross to be killed. And all who follow me are those who deny themselves and take up their cross and come after me. What Jesus is doing here is He's outlining for us what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a disciple. What it, what it means to be a follower of Christ. So let's start. We're in Luke 9. Start again at verse 23. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Self-denial, it is the call to every Christian. It is that radical transition of looking away from ourselves to something else. I'm going to try to show this over the next 58 minutes. It is the, the, the activity of turning and looking away from our innate, natural inclinations and desires to an object, something that is far superior some desires that when we get it, totally outweigh the short-sighted, temporal, sinful desires. Namely, eternal life. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up His cross daily. Daily. Okay, that's great. You did that the last 18 days. Here's day 19. When you wake up, you take up it again. Take up that cross. It is an active choosing to pick up the cross. Now, a lot of people think that to bear your cross is putting up with a difficult spouse for years. Or having to bear some debilitating disease. Or any other constant burden. Now I'm going to just make a, It's not directly that. The application of that may happen in those contexts. But in the context, the picture Jesus gives is not of some unavoidable circumstance. Okay, there's your cross to bear. 
Because He says we must daily choose. Actively choose to take up the cross as opposed to not take up the cross. Now, a Roman cross is not some instrument of irritation or inconvenience in your life. A person who had to take up their cross, that means they already have been given the death sentence. Carry the beam under the whips of a Roman soldier over here 800 yards to some field or some hill. And that man who is bearing his cross, what that means is he's on his way to a slow, torturous execution. In other words, he is a dead man walking. See, when Jesus says this in their context, in, under the Roman Empire, everyone is very familiar with crucifixion. And so when He says this, bear your own cross, what they understand that to mean is, you're a dead man walking in this world. A man who's bearing his cross knows he's going to be dead within 24 hours probably. He's cut off from all his worldly attachments now. It'd be really weird to see some guy carrying his cross and stopping. Oh, you got a cell phone. Let me check out my stocks. How are they doing? And get really happy about his stocks going up. He's going to his death. This is the picture Jesus gives. To bury your cross means you know that you're not long for this world and your interests and your attachments and your passions for this world are no more. In this life, this cross-bearing, a Christian never arrives down here. You never get to the place, whoo, I made it, look at that, I'm done, I don't have to pick up my cross tomorrow because I have so arrived at denying myself and dying to worldly pleasures. No, the need for dying to sinful dispositions and worldly desires is never finished in this life. That's why Jesus says, the believer picks up his cross daily. Daily. Now, that life here that he just described, that active pursuit of denying short-sighted temporal pleasures in this world that is what it means for the third verb he gives. And follow me. That's what he's describing. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Now, it's a big picture of looking at the text. To really get this. Okay, let's die to ourselves. Self-denial. Pick up your cross. Die daily. You can fill that in with all kinds of meanings that might be unbiblical. So, to really, in its context, to get, okay, what does that really mean? How do we go about 
this, we need to be careful sticklers for the context. To see exactly what Jesus meant to say and what He did say and what we have through Luke right here. To see the connection of the sentences to one another in our passage. Now, therefore, in order, before we get to He will come after me, let him deny himself. You can't disconnect it from what he just said. It's very connected to verses 21 and 22. So briefly, let's look at that. And Jesus strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, the Sanhedrin, and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. Okay. That right there is the centerpiece of this passage. It is the centerpiece of all of Jesus' ministry. He made it clear. I, the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, I am going to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. It is intentional. It's not suicide. It will be murder. But it is intentional. And I will rise again. Not just, oh yeah, I'll rise again. Uh -uh. I will rise from the dead on the third day. That's what he says here in his context. Now, what he doesn't say is why. <laughs> but, but we have a lot more of Jesus' sayings and of the whole Word of God that makes it crystal clear why. So I'm just going to turn to one. Jesus said in Mark 10.45, Why are you going to Jerusalem to be killed? Quote, For the, even the Son of Man... Himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That's the most central act in human history. Christ came to die and be killed at the hands of sinners as a ransom price for many. Meaning, our sin, Peter's sin, James's sin, Joe's sin, has so kidnapped us and held us in bondage to darkened, godless desires and from which we cannot free ourselves. Christ says, guys, I must suffer and die to deal with that problem. My life is the ransom price that frees from such bondage. It's the plan of God. It's how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5. In Christ, that means the God Man, Jesus. In Christ, God was reconciling 
the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. It's amazing. So this is, got it, we're still in this context. Jesus is talking to the twelve. Now, you know, Mark and Matthew both give us a fuller account of what happened in that conversation. And Mark lets us know after Jesus says, Yes, I'm the Christ. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This is a miracle in your heart, Peter. Okay, but, but you're still kind of messed up about what it all means. Let me tell you guys what it means. I have to go to Jerusalem and die. Peter's response? Wrong! <laughs> no! Jesus' response to Peter. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Because you, Peter, are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. In other words, Peter, if you are going to be coming against my death in Jerusalem at the hands of sinners, you are coming against God. You are siding with Satan. Satan doesn't want me to die and pay a ransom because he wants you in hell. Peter, Satan would love to put a kingly robe and a crown on my head if I bow to him. He would love for me to jump off temples and show how spectacular my being, the Son of God, is. He loved for me to change rocks into to bread. Okay, remember chapter 4. Satan shows up again via the influence and influencing Peter. Because Peter, the very last thing that Satan wants is for me to be slaughtered on a cross to free many from his horrific darkness in bondage. But Peter, this death that I'm going to die, God wants because He loves you, Peter. My coming to die as a sacrifice is the love of God. Okay? Here it comes. Big question. Who are the many? The Son of Man has come to go to Jerusalem and to be killed and to rise on the third day as a ransom for many. Who are they? Are you one of the many? Have you been set free and ransomed from the bondage of sin? In separation from God. 
from a darkened heart that cannot delight in Him to any extent? Have you been set free? That's the question. And that's what the rest of the passage, verses 23 to 26, is about. So he says now, right in, to I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to do this. Into this. And if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so the answer is what? The ransomed, those people, the believers, true disciples, follow Jesus. That's who they are. They follow even though it means self-denial and cross-bearing. He's saying, if you treasure and trust Me enough to follow Me, even when it means denying short-term temporal pleasures in this world, it's evidence that you are the ransom. Now, as we further look at this, it is crucial. Because Look at verse 23. Here it is. Who are you? Those followers are those people who take up the cross, deny themselves, and are on the journey with Christ. But He's not done. And so it's crucial now to notice as we read on the next three verses all begin, if you have a decent enough translation, because in Greek it's certainly there too. They all begin with the word for. F-O-R. Meaning, because. Meaning, he's arguing. He, he's making... He, he, he's building a foundation. He's giving reasons why verse 23 is true. Why it is true that all who are coming after me, they are those who deny themselves and they pick up, take up their cross daily and they're following me. How come, Jesus? Read on. Let's start there with verse 24 and read through verse 26. Notice. For, verse 24, meaning... Argument, reason why, because, this is why, whoever would save his life in this world here, like, that's, that's what you're about, that person will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Okay, why is that? He goes deeper. For... Verse 25, because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Why is that? For, because, here's the truth. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him, Will the Son of Man be ashamed when He comes in His glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels? 
Okay, this is one of those sermons where I'm going to be very redundant for a while. Sometimes until it clicks. What, what clicks? No, not Pastor Joe. What clicks is if you have your eyes on the words and the black marks of your text that you see what Jesus is saying for yourself. So, so far what we see is, why is it that believers deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow Jesus? Why, Jesus? He just answered it. Because they want real what he just answered. They want to save their life forever. That's verse 24. Why do they want to do that? Why would they want to lose their life, be a martyr on a mission field, forsake living for what the world says you should value? Why would they want to do that in order to save their life? The next verse, verse 25, because they realize that even if they gained the whole world, in the end, that will not save their soul forever. See, he's saying the reason a person doesn't want to pursue what the world, as opposed to Christ, pursues is because of verse 26. Because whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes back again in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the angels. What's the opposite of being ashamed? Being proud of. Admiring, not ashamed. I admire Him. It's, it's, it's loving to be recognized along with the person you're proud of as opposed to being ashamed of. It's loving to be identified with someone. The opposite of that is to be ashamed. So Jesus is saying, if in this life this is who you are, you're, deep down, you are ashamed of me. You're ashamed of my blood and the ransom that I paid as a substitute for you. Now, I, I, let me pause for a moment. I, I do not think Jesus means right here. Hey, as you walk around Sovereign Grace Fellowship in the next year, you may count on... Your fingers, or you might need more fingers, where you find yourself having a lapse of faith, a lapse of courage, when, shoot, I should have told that person about Jesus, and you failed. I don't think that's what he's saying. Okay? What he is saying about this is shame is if this is indicative of the state of your heart. You're ashamed of me. In other opposite, if you are not thrilled, proud, you, if you have not embraced me and my ransom paid, that since you're ashamed of it, then that's how I will treat you in the second coming. 
I will be ashamed of you. And you will perish with everybody else who is ashamed of the message of the gospel of my death outside Jerusalem. The only ransom. The only price that can free anybody from God's justice towards them standing by themselves. Here comes the redundancy. Let's look at the text again. So we see the logic, not just from Joe's mouth, but on the page. And to do that, what I want to do is reverse the logic. A lot of times that helps you, even in a husband-wife conversation. I think you're saying, and flip logic around and say, oh yeah, that's what I'm saying, or not. You might miss it. So when you flip logic around, because Jesus is saying this because of this, because of this, because of this. When you flip that around, those because of, those fours become therefores. For instance, let me just give you an example. I went to the store because I needed milk. Because the baby was crying. Because she was hungry. I could just say, okay, now what? Here, here's, here's why this is important. He went to the store. Okay, great. You, may have, you don't know why I went to the store. You could fill that with, you know, with all kinds of information. I could come in here and say, let's just read the first part this morning. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And you may fill that in with all kinds of things that Jesus didn't mean. If we don't follow his logic. By saying why I went to the store and argued why, you saw it. So let me say the same thing and flip it around. Because the baby is hungry... Therefore, she's crying. Therefore, I needed to get milk. Therefore, I went to the store. Got that? All right. Let's just do that with our text. Start from the bottom. Because here's the foundational truth of Jesus right here. Is verse 26. Because whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him... The Son of Man will be ashamed. I I read it my way. He'll be ashamed when He comes back in His glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Because of that truth, therefore, what? The verse above it. Therefore, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Now, that's a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question means the guy saying it, there's an implied Answer or statement. He's making a statement. Jesus is saying, because I'm coming back. And there are the sheep and there are the goats. There are those I'm not ashamed of and welcome and those I'm ashamed of. Because of that truth, therefore, isn't it obvious that if you gain the whole world, it means nothing, ultimately, if you lose your soul. Now, now, okay, so then why would you want to do that? Because of that truth, because of the truth, no matter what you gain in this world, without Christ, you lose everything. Because of that, therefore, verse 24, whoever would save his life in this world will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Put together. Meaning, 
since being ashamed of the only Savior there is, of being ashamed of the ransom blood of Christ, Jesus is saying that I paid, since that cuts you off from me, that's what he means by I will be ashamed of you, therefore, here's the logic, there is no ransom that can pay for your soul. Even if you gained the whole world down here. And therefore, you will save your life forever if you treasure me enough to lose your worldly pursuits for my sake. Which brings us to the bottom line conclusion of his logic, verse 23. Therefore, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. You see the package. All right, one more time. It's going to be quick. Because I wrote out my paraphrase of everything I'm trying to say of the logic of this text. And here it is, working its way backwards. Jesus is saying, because I will deny those who are ashamed of me and my ransom when I return. Therefore, if you live for the world and gain all kinds of stuff, it won't be able to save you on that day. And, and therefore, the key to Forsake this world. And it is to forsake this world and to lose your life in this short-term temporal world for me and for the Gospel and for my words. Why? In order that you may be saved forever. Or to sum it up, deny yourself. Deny yourself living for worldly, sinful, short-term pleasures and take up your cross daily, killing sinful, worldly desires. That's the best I can do at the text. Spend the rest of our time thinking about how do these words of Jesus work themselves out in the Christian's life. We are all as believers called to self-denial, to daily die on the cross. Now, so here's, okay, dying on a cross, it's a metaphor here. Okay, It has to be. It's an analogy. When you die on a cross, you only do it once. <laughs> Physically, you're dead. Okay, that's, that's over with. So when he says daily, obviously he means this is being used as an analogy of something deeper that you can do over and over. Oh, but but why, how does it work as an analogy? Well, when you actually die on a cross, you do not care anymore about this world. You ain't here. You don't care what they do with your body. Before you're dead, we care. You get splintered, like a lot of you know I had this big old huge splinter last couple of weeks. You start to really care about, oh, so much. Once you're dead, burn me, baby. Bury me, I don't care. Cut me up. I'm with Jesus. 
This is the it is There's something here about cross-bearing. It's about death. This is so New Testament. Listen now to the Apostle Paul. Later in the epistle, writing to the church in Galatians 5.24, he says, In those who belong to Christ Jesus have, and now he uses the analogy, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, now by flesh there, Paul means the remaining sinful tendencies that are in every Christian. It is a battle, is what he's saying. It's what Jesus is alluding to. The essence of those who are ransomed, who have heard the gospel, and Christ mercifully and sovereignly grabbed them, are those who have been placed in a battle that before they were born again, they didn't have this battle. There is this tension, that which I want to do, I don't do, and that which I find myself, I don't want to do that, I find myself doing it. Yeah. Being sanctified. It's the mercy of being a spiritual schizophrenic. That's the battle. When Paul says they have crucified the flesh, clearly when you read Paul, he doesn't mean once and for all. And Jesus says, You die, take up your cross daily. Crucified means you're dead in this world in some profound sense as a believer. Now, I'm going to read one more. Either turn here or listen. In Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, just listen for the, the parallel of the logic of Paul in this letter with the words of Jesus in our context. Paul writes, Colossians 3, 1 to 4, if then, Christian, you have been raised with Christ, it means you've died with Him, you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your, your thoughts, on things that are above. Now here's the denial. Come after me. Deny yourself. What do you mean? He means exactly this. Set your mind on things above. Not on things that are on earth. Here's the other analogy. Pick up your cross daily and die. For, Paul says, you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Glorious truth. Now, Jesus says, the foundation of all of this is I'm coming back. Do you believe it? Okay, Paul, say it your way. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears in the future one day, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So, to lose your life in this world You don't just deny yourself. You don't just lose your life. 
That's not what Jesus says. You do it because of a greater desire to gain eternal, true joy, life, happiness. That's what He means. The, the, there's a means to dying to self. There's a way in which you do it according to Jesus. And what is that? It is that your joy is rooted in a truer, more enduring object than sexual sin, thievery, living for how many toys you can purchase before you die. It's something more. And in the text it is, you will save your life forever. See, the whole dynamic of the Christian life, as Paul lays it out in Romans 7, as Jesus alludes to with His words here, it is comparison. To lose your life in this world, you try to save it in this world, you will lose it in the world to come. You compare it. Which, weigh it. Or vice versa. You lose it in this world, you will save it. And so what that means in the battle of our desire in this life to be praised, to not be persecuted, etc. It's all getting, as Paul said, set your mind on the Gospel. Set your mind on the truth. Set your mind on things above. In other words, if the world speaks well of you, it doesn't really matter very much when you look at the big picture. If the world hates you, if it persecutes you, if it thinks you're a fool for following Christ, it doesn't really matter very much in the end. If you're following Christ, get you killed in Rome crucified upside down like will happen a few years later with Peter. It doesn't really matter very much when you look at the big picture of what Jesus is saying. If you are dead, if you daily take up your cross, these things become lesser. They become less significant because that day again I'm crucified to the praise of men crucified to hoarding money instead of loving another with it I'm crucified in filling 10,000 things see the point see is this denying yourself taking up your cross just pointless masochism not at all it is the path of following Jesus. It's the path of true love for Christ and the ability to truly love better others. It's the path of eternal life. Because see, in the text, there's, it's not just die. It's not just Deny yourself. Uh -uh. It's 
die for a greater goal. Deny your sinful inclinations for a greater goal. I quote Jesus again. Hear it. For whoever would save his life here will lose it. But whoever loses his life, throws it away on the Gospel. We'll save it. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of... You see, there's a goal. It's never an end. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them in comparison as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Or Galatians 6.14 puts it this way. Paul says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me. And I have been crucified to the world. In all of that crucifixion, all that stuff to not, got to get what Jesus is saying. There's a point, and the point is to be saved <laughs> forever. And therefore, lose your life in Christ. Don't be like Alexander the Great. Student of Aristotle, who says, who, who tried his hardest to rule as much of the known world as he could, and he, with his army, was really good at it for a few years. And they conquered a lot of territory and a lot of peoples and brought Plato and Aristotle, his teacher, and their stuff and their language to these peoples. And he gets venereal disease and he's dead in his early 30s. Would you gain Alexander the Great? Nothing. He lost it. All. You can gain the whole world. You can be worth 47 billion. You're going to die just like a starving poor African child. Everyone is. And you'll be in a holding tank. And we're all waiting for a day when this Jesus does come back in glory. And whether the billionaire or Alexander the Great or a starving 10-year-old African child, that day is coming. We'll find out what really matters. Or Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot, a martyr in Ecuador in the 1950s at age 28, wrote when he was 22. Quote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. In essence, 
All he's doing is quoting Jesus in our text in verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So get it. Self-denial. Biblical self-denial does not mean be indifferent. Be uncaring. Don't consider your happiness, your joy, your well-being. Biblical self-denial never means that. It can't mean that in Jesus' words in the context. Because Jesus very explicitly appeals to our desire for true, unending happiness in the text. (laughs) You do know, guys, there's a day when I'm coming back in the glory of the Father. And when I do, you don't want me to be ashamed of you and what that would mean do do you therefore embrace me welcome me adore me worship me be moved by my words because there will be no profit in losing your soul. Now, if that's not baiting, <laughs> if that's not appealing to desire and giving motivation, I don't know what is. He is appealing to our desire for true and ultimate and unending happiness. And therefore, he's saying, care. Care so much about yourself. Care about your soul. Your emotions. Your future. So much that you lose your life in this world in order to save it for eternal joy. How? By denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, following me. That's the text. 1,600 years ago, the great brother in the Lord, St. Augustine, felt this same tension throughout the New Testament. And he he wrote this. If you love your life there is a danger of its being destroyed. Therefore, you may not love it since you do not want it to be destroyed. But in not wanting it to be destroyed, you love it. Jesus did not die in order to make this life Easy and prosperous for us. He died in order to remove every obstacle of our everlasting happiness. Of the happiness of enjoying Him forever. 
without restraint in the future. The whole point of this passage is that pain, suffering, heartache, all that kind of stuff, dying on a cross daily, self-denial in this short-term, mortal, evil, sin-wrought world. His whole point in this text is that is all temporary. Jesus does not call us to eternal suffering. He doesn't call us to eternal dying on a cross. He doesn't call us to unending self-denial. He came and paid the ransom to deliver us from all of that. That's why He came. Temporally. Down here. Because sin is still in us in a sinful world. Dying daily in self-denial. Temporary. And Jesus is saying, pleasure joy in me is eternal and unending. See, there's, do you remember when Peter and the guys are looking on the rich man? And, yeah, I'll tell you what to you do. Your heart isn't with God really at all. Go sell everything you got. And he couldn't do it. Whoa! Who can be saved, Jesus? Okay, and he said, well, God does miracles. Great. And Peter goes, well, look at us. We left everything. Yoo-hoo! And Jesus didn't go, yay, great. You're terrific. Look at self-sacrifice. He says, no one can leave mother and fathers and houses or your fishing business and everything else and not receive a hundred times as much. There's no such thing in Christianity. It's ultimate self-denial. In following Jesus, in, in denying sinful, short, short-sighted pleasures, He says you'll save your life forever. You will not be like many who do the opposite. Forfeit their soul. Because that is second coming. That day is coming. And it will usher in an unending salvation in the resurrection. And an unending condemnation of those who have not embraced the only Savior from sin. And so, let's Go on, sovereign grace, in our very everyday lives, parenting, teaching, working, being neighborly, families. Go on following Jesus. Deny yourself. It means resist. Deny sexual sin. Oh, but that would be so pleasurable right now. You got it, sure would be. Think about it biblically. 
deception. Deny that temptation of gossip, of backbiting, of desiring worldly pleasures, of living for the culture and acceptance, stinginess, of drunkenness, and I can go on. That's at the core of this daily dying. But but it's not now how 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 here's the text. You do it all by pursuing something greater. The joy that the gospel offers. You keep it before your mind. It means this book prayerfully in our battle against sin. You don't just, I'm supposed to deny. You, God, this I can tell my heart right now doesn't have any real sense of the truth, of the joy, of eternal happiness in your promises. That's why we need to pray with the Word but the promises in you, they come alive. This is how He promises. This is how He works in those who are His in sanctification. He has not left us without the Holy Spirit. But He sent His Spirit and left us His Word. Titus, as I'm closing here, in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, It's summed up this way. For the grace of God. Oh, glorious. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Okay, now don't miss it. The grace of God, and now this is what it's done. The next thing it says. The grace of God has appeared, training us. To what? To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. This saying to ungodliness, to real desires, no! This denying worldly Sinful pleasures. It's not the opposite of God's grace. Oh, that's legal. No, it's not. Can't be. It's called the grace of God working in us right here. And it starts every day at the thought level of our lives. Our minds are invaded with sexual, sinful thoughts. Christ, help me. Jesus, oh, I have your word. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eyes causing you to stumble, rip it out! metaphor. If one thing many of us Christians lack in our daily Christian life is the the lack of understanding how to be desperate. 
for Christ and against sin. It starts in the mind. You were really hurt by someone intentionally. And you've been wrestling. And my vindictiveness just overwhelms it. Jesus says, follow me. What are you going to do? Go in prayer in the Word. You fill your mind, as Paul said in Colossians, with things above. You You need the Scripture. And so, for instance... You've got Romans 12, 19. And God says, as you're struggling to die to that and, and pin that to the cross, that vindictiveness against that person, He says, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Because it's written. God says this, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so, and so that says to us, do I trust you? believe you. And then this is what He does. We find ourselves in these glorious moments. It may have been weeks working on that. And then that temptation is gone. My quoting of that text, my meditating on it, my crying out to God, the Holy Spirit has been working on that area here through the Word of God. You're following Christ. This daily cross-bearing and self-denial. We need power. Cannot do it without God, the Holy Spirit, in His Word. The power is not prayer. Okay, I'm be careful. What I mean by that, oh yeah, I said some prayer. Uh-uh. The power is in communion with God. That that is prayer. It's communion with God over the Word, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Isn't that how Paul says to fight? The Word of God and desperately hanging out with your Father, with your Savior, by the presence of God. Of the Spirit. As Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself all those sinful, constant battles that come up, and take up his cross day after day after day and follow me. Now, as the bread and the cup are passed out and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will hold that and we will partake of those together. There is special grace with the word that you have heard to your soul in the way in which God desires to work on you. There is a special power and grace as we will be praying over and partaking of the body and the blood of Christ who is our ransom.